podcastjuice.net. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you are listening to the Prince Podcast here on Podcast Juice. My name is Michael Dean, and joining me today is Mr. Big Sexy and Sax. Sir, how are you? Man, long week. I may have to punch somebody, but that's all right. Now, did you say Sorry. punk or punch? Because you're gonna cut punch. Oh. Somebody's got to feel some pain. Oh man, <laughs> sharing the love for the purple community. Joining us also is Mr. Q Storm, sir. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing good. Doing good. I'm just kind of listening. I'm, I'm just laying in a cut. All right. All right. We're just doing our show. Uh, also joining us, we have a special guest here. If you listen to the. I don't know, you may have listened to the previous show, or it might be the after this show. I'm not sure how that comes out in the time continuum of Purple Podcast. But Mr. Prince's friend is with us. Sir, how are you? I am doing wonderful today. Thank you for asking. All right. And also, we have Mr. Media Relations himself, Mr. Ampu. Sir, how are you? Man, you know, they should never do Give us Negroes vacations. I still haven't got back to the grind, but I'm going to ride it out till somebody say something to me. All right. Well, man, welcome back to work, sir. Um, listen, before we go any further, we have to, you know, give our respects uh, to uh, John Blackwell, man. Uh, untimely passing of arguably one of the greatest drummers prince has ever had in his you know in his bands over the years and he's had a lot of great ones but uh this young man man he just came in thundering with the funk uh mm. and and just a, a sad you know situation unfortunately he passed away but i just wanted to say if you guys had any sort of uh things that stood out about john blackwell whether it was from an album or a show uh, that just comes to mind for me. I would just say the Rainbow Children album, like, and he just killed that man. Like, uh, it's amazing. Anybody else have anything that they want to say about that? Uh, well, I want to shout out to uh, Darling Nisa. She got me the clip from uh, the Los Angeles Musicology show where he's doing the um, the second drum solo to shit. Man, that dude. That's where I turned the corner. Was like, you know. We always talk about the holy trinity of Prince drummers, Bobby Z, Sheila E, Michael Bland. When I saw his performance doing that, I was like, God damn, John Blackwell is that dude. Um, I put the clip up on my Facebook. It's up on uh, Podcast Juice Twitter. He's playing the sure drum solo. Dude calmly takes out his, puts one drumstick to the side, takes out his handkerchief from his pocket, wipes his nose, Wipes his forehead, continues the drum, the, the the solo. Then he says, you know what? I'm going to get real crazy up in here. I'm going to stand up, do all, all these trips, tricks, drops the drumstick, calmly looks down like, fuck. Continues doing the drum solo, picks up the drumstick, and finishes it. I was like, that is a bad mofo. And it sounded great. And I was just like, no. There's, that was probably some mistakes in there, but I'm like, I never seen. No, I'm not disrespecting the work of any other drummers, but I've never seen Michael B, Sheila E, Bobby Z do anything like that, and it just blew my mind. 
That dude was so talented. I seen him do the uh, drum solo for 777-9311. Blew my mind. And I'm just like, I see why he, why Prince rolled with that guy for what was like 15 years on and off. And I'm just like, wow, it's, it's just really sad. You know, I, I heard that he had gotten sick. He was dealing with the cancer. And, you know, the man was only 43, had a wife and kids. And, you know, he left his mark. He left his mark and he was bad. Yeah, and just to, to put a little more context of, of sort of the reach and the, and, and the pedigree of his work. Now, of course, we know he worked with Prince, but he also worked with Patti LaBelle. Um, he was on the D'Angelo uh, tour, the Second Coming tour. He also uh, played with Bootsy, right? Uh, Cameo. Mm-hmm. Um, Shaka. Shaka Khan, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Justin Timberlake He's been toured with Justin Timberlake uh, yep. Says he's even played with uh, P. Diddy um, So I mean This dude is one of the Oh and, and Maze You gotta mention Maze uh, With Frankie Beverly and them A classic band that You know just And especially in the black community that, Essence Festival Oh Frankie Beverly and the playing Okay Then it's official <laughs> But Yeah man Like he done played with all the great ones and you can see why it's like yeah you if you want to have a dude that's thorough you got to get john blackwell like that's just that and he's a young cat he was a young cat that came up and got in the, to be that good definitely speaks to his skills man like it's just amazing man um and i cut anybody off anybody else wanted to throw something in there certainly can't no i was just gonna say that i saw that same performance and it did it blew me away as well um also he's a tampa guy uh and he was actually here in tampa getting most of his cancer treatments mm. and uh that and so it definitely struck home for me uh when i when i talked about it on my channel i went ahead and shared he has a gofundme um that his family has where they're trying to get the money to um help pay for the hospital fees oh, okay. you know and all the all the hospital bills so um you know it's i, I believe it's just uh gofundme.com slash john blackwell jr uh so if you know if you you know have a few dollars i would say go give yeah. uh to go ahead and help their family and, and everything so yeah most definitely and i'll put that in the show notes for sure and so all my peoples, we we be talking about, well, we got to do this. Yeah, the young man, they need, they, his family needs some help. So we can put in some money. Yeah, I'm shaming people. <laughs> we can put in, and we're going to make sure our people are right. That's that's a given. That's on GP. So, yeah, we would definitely put in on that for sure. I'm just looking here at his Wikipedia. I didn't even know this. And this is, this again, this is show you the power of the father handing it down to us. It says John Blackwell Sr., was a drummer himself, played with Mary Wells, King Curtis, Joe Simon, J.J. Jackson, the Drifters, the Spinners. So there you go. That That's why wow. he's so funky. Because <laughs> he come from a line. His daddy hand that down to him, and he took it to the next level. So, man, that's, that's, that's beautiful right there. And I know I don't have all the details, but I remember hearing about his daughter had tragically passed away. Um and you know, as a father, or something I can't even imagine having that happen. 
you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. She was so young. But I remember when they were talking about her, I think Prince had helped them out with that and, and take care of some of the expenses and different things. But, you know, I just look at it, you know, as sad as it is, I say, I would hope that at least he's able to go be with his, his daughter. You know what I'm saying? Like, as a dad, maybe he's sitting there with her at this point. So that that's something I have to think about. But, yeah, man, major shout-out to John Blackwell. He was one of the real ones. Definitely be missed. It's, it's sad to see our, our our musicians, our people of our culture, the stuff that we like, that we grew up with, passing away, man. I, it makes me feel old. I'm like, damn, what is... It's pe- people are leaving, you know. It's, it's, life is real, you know, like... Oh, yeah. We're not going to be here forever. So, yeah, shout out to him. All right. Uh, let's switch gears. I have to take a sip of my podcast juice to kind of get me out of that little mood right there. Hold on. <laughs> Wait, do you actually have podcast juice? What What is it composed of? <laughs> <laughs> well, you asked that question. Uh, well, today it is compo- composed of uh, a beverage that they sell. So we have it's a different thing every time. But okay. uh, this week it is unofficially sponsored by Budweiser. <laughs> so we're calling that podcast juice. There you go. Um, okay, so I wanted to get into the conversation um, all week, you know, and we did a, the Michael Dean show last week. I think we talked about it. But title, uh, you know, of course, Jay-Z dropped an album. Uh, everyone was talking about it, as they should have. Uh, and then there's been some stuff with Kanye West, who uh, his I think his last album was exclusive to Title, and now there's some stuff going on where he's these severing ties with Title and it's drama, whatever. But there's been the conversations about even before that of the Prince's State uh, and Title, and you know there was lawsuits, and you know Title had the exclusive streaming of Prince's catalog for a long time. And, of course, they lost that, right? Um, and so in light of Jay-Z's comments, because he talked about it in one of his songs, he even name-dropped Blondell McMillan, I wanted to go back and revisit what did Prince actually say about title? Because, you know, we all have our opinions about this and that and third, and, you know, they shouldn't be doing this. But before we talk about title and, and, and Jay-Z and all that, I think we still gotta, we still have to look back at what did Prince say, though? Right. And then let that sort of be our guide. So whatever actions are being taken, they may have legitimate reasons. But let's not forget what the man said, you know. And I'm saying this because, again, uh, institutions, people, media, whoever want to control the narrative, which is fine. But let's be clear where the narrative came from. <laughs> like, what did they actually say? So we don't have to like sort of like speculate and different things. So I want to read a few things and we get people's comments. Now, I've, there's a couple of things. Prince talked to uh, Ebony. Of course, Ebony is a long running magazine, African-American magazine. Uh, he actually did a couple of interviews with them. So I want to some of the these comments are coming from those. So this first set here is actually from an interview that he did, uh, I believe, with Ebony.com. Um, and for whatever reason, it's on the Huffington Post website, but it was from 2015, uh, 831, 2015. So uh, some of the interesting things in this interview, he says, uh, the question says, here's Ebony. This is, what made you decide to move your catalog to title 
and away from the other streaming services. And why is Hit and Run about to be exclusively available to Tidal? So, of course, this is when the Hit and Run album is about to come out. Prince says, Tidal is a new company. It's brand new. They're just getting their footing. And I think when there's a company like that or the OWN network, situations where we finally get into a position to run things, we all should help. It's been a lot of fun. We've changed the format format of how our music appears, where it would normally say related and have a bunch of random stuff pop up. I love D'Angelo, but he's just getting started. He came way after. What we did is we changed that to influences. Then all these black and white pictures come up and you can go back and look at all the people who influenced me. Then in each one of these situations, Tidal allowed us to go and work on these pages. Now, just to put a little context, what he's talking about, I believe he is specifically talking about his actual title page. And there would be a link up there that I guess used to say related and it would show you other artists. And I'm thinking he's saying that one of those artists was D'Angelo that they were pointing to. But he's feeling like, nah, uh, he just he's somebody that just came up. I want you to show who my influences were, not people who you think are related to me. So then he had them change it to say influences and he wants it to show like Shaka Khan and different people like that. Uh, He says that's the problem with these formats is that there's a lot of laziness out there. They have to do so much. So a lot of times it's just a program. It's an algorithm. I didn't want to be a part of that. And ask him another question. He says, what is your perfect model? What's the perfect? What is your perfect model of the music industry? You've been vocal about the changes it needs to take for decades now. He says, uh, technology is getting all of humanity to the point where I'm going to be able to dial up our own experience here. So I may have a version of it. Jay-Z may have a version of it. And Kendrick Lamar may have a version of it. There isn't going to be one size fits all. You could see that with hip hop, really. They didn't say courtesy of. They just jumped on people's records when they felt like it. You're talking about grown men asking another grown man permission to sing. So, yeah, there is no perfect. Uh, Different situations call for different approach, a different setup. The Musicology Tour, for example, when when we bundled the record with our tour, it was perfect for the time. Uh, last part I want, he, he comments on this I think it's important he says they say we've got a rare audience with you Prince what would you most like to express to the Ebony readership at the moment Prince says I've always made it a point when I've spoken with Ebony to encourage ownership because we can look at situations with title for example Apple Pandora Rhapsody Deezer when you give them your record You might get paid six months later. Beyonce, her last album came out. 18 million went into the kitty the very next day. She didn't get that money. She got paid on a royalty skill, just like all the other artists. That's what I'm talking about. LeBron James, his deal is a completely designer deal, completely different than any other basketball player. So that's what we need for the future, to stay afloat. It's going to need the Kanye West and the Kendricks and people like that who can make product and get people excited about stuff. And they're going to dictate what the deal is going to look like. And that's what's fun about the times now. All right. Said a lot there. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to go to Prince's friend first. What were some of your takeaways from this? 
Um, well, I mean, I think it's part of, again, like Prince liked to experiment. Uh, I, I, that's kind of what he liked to do. He liked to try new things. He tried different distribution channels. He tried, you know, releasing his album in different ways. And he was always trying to find a good fit for his music because he, you know, he always felt like, you know, I can't, this is mine. I can't give this to you, you know, like, and then you just do whatever you want with it. Like, we have to come up with a really good deal here. Um, that was one of the reasons why his music never showed up on YouTube because he would always say, that you know the sharing and every the 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 amount of money that you make is just abysmal. But YouTube was not willing to make special concessions for him. Like he, they could have negotiated their own deal. They could have wooed him and got him to do it, but they didn't, and that's why there were no Prince videos on um, YouTube. But I, I do agree that I think things need to be tailored um, to that sort of thing. Like I was on my Netflix account the other day. And I watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer recently, so it said, hey, you might like the movie Sausage Party. And I'm like, those two things have nothing to do with each other. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Um, and that's basically what he was saying was like, you know, it needs to be tailored. It can't just be an algorithm. And, you know, from from but that's the direction that almost everything is going. So I think it was cool that title gave him a way and to like do the customization and the personalization, and, and it sounds like Title actually changed the core format to fit Prince, as opposed to just giving Prince his own tools. They were probably like, "Yeah, that's a really good point, Prince. Let me just change that for everybody here." Um, so I think that that's pretty cool. I think also the the idea of ownership again that was a big deal for Prince, and I like the idea. And I like the way that he has kind of gone forward and he's kind of given that to his protégés and stuff. For instance, um, the new Shelby J album that launched earlier this year, like it's all – she funded it herself and it's all owned by her and you know she's in charge of everything. And you know she said that that was a lesson that Prince taught to her was just you – know, you know, don't sell your music. Like if you can find somebody to buy your music, I guess you can. But don't sell it. Keep it yourself, and then you have control over it. Uh, so I'm, I would like to have more people learn that lesson, and you know, I don't want to say get rid of record companies entirely, but yeah, get rid of record companies entirely, and just have different distribution models. And, and you know, you can have you know promoters, but I think the promoters should then work individually with the artists. I think so. But yeah, but that's in a perfect world, obviously. Right. Okay. Uh, Big Sexy, do you have anything to say on this? Well, excuse me. The more I learn about the publishing industry and the record business, the more I see that Prince was way, way out front. You know, a lot of people back in 94, I believe, when he came out with the slave on his face, people thought, oh, he's crazy. Then you listen to what he had to say about it. Uh, I've been doing a lot of research for my own uh, pursuits on the publishing business, and the publishing business alone and the record business is filthy. That's why things are the way they are now. Artists have finally caught up. It's like Prince's friend just said. In the perfect world, you would have the owner of the music, a couple of promoters out there 
promoting the music and you don't need the record label. The record labels don't do anything now, but still, they take the largest slice of the pie. On uh, Ebony interview you mentioned, when Beyonce's album came out, 18 million went into the kitty the next day, but she didn't get a taste of that. She got paid on a royalty, which is ludicrous. You look at all the streaming services, uh, I've seen Jesse Johnson go on Facebook and say, look, they played my song hundreds of times. I get a quarter of a penny each play. The words rest of that money go. You know, the labels are filthy. Uh, publishing is filthy. Back in the 70s and 80s, which is where I've really been doing my research, and I'm going to take Prince out of this because he, he didn't fall for it, but artists from all genres of music what have their publishing and then you look at the publishing who's on the publishing okay guy who wrote it fair enough and sometimes like in Aerosmith you know Steven Tyler would include the bandmates okay fine that makes sense you know you got your guys you're all doing it together but the management gets a piece they didn't write anything you know I've been very critical of Barry Gordy but it wasn't just him you know, management and labels from all walks have gotten artists to co-sign or give them joint ownership of their publishing. That's wrong. If, I didn't, if Michael Dean wrote a song, we'll call it Kingdom, and I like Kingdom, actually, and I come to Mike and say, you know what, Mike, you need to put me on the publishing for 50%. Why? I haven't done shit. And that's where things are now. People are wising up to that old model and stepping away from it. There are some who still subscribe to that, and that's fine. But I'm glad a lot of artists are coming out and doing their own thing and finding their own way. Back in the you know 80s, a lot of hip-hop guys would do it themselves. Why? Because that's what works, and it gives the lion's share of the revenue to the artist, which is how it should be. Yeah, and I think, you know, I wanted to, I think when he first started, his first comments on this to me are telling of sort of, at least in my opinion, where I think he's coming from. He's, you know, he says, title is a new company, it's brand new. Okay, so they're just getting their footing, right? But he says, I think when there's a new company like that, and then he makes the comparison to the own network. Now, I don't know uh, if if Oprah owns that thing, or maybe she's the majority owner or what, but it is sort of, uh, obviously to us, it seems like that's Oprah's channel, right? Right. And so I get the, and so he says, you know, or the own network situations where we finally get into position to run things, we should all help. To me, you, you, the key words are looking to who does he mean when he says we, right? Because when you can define that, then you can understand what the hell he's talking about. And you can understand, in my opinion, what title, at least in this context, represents. You know, it's not just it's not Apple. It's not yeah. Microsoft. And, 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 you know, shout out to those companies. I'm not shitting on them. But to me, he's talking about when he says we, he's to me saying, you know, African-American or, or, or things of that nature. What else is there of that nature? That's exactly what I mean. So he's talking about us as black people. Actually, instead of being just the performers in front of the camera or the holding the mic, we're actually owning the situation now. And I think mm -hmm. he's talking historically, particularly in music, when a lot of us were just performers and were getting raped for our money. Excuse mm -hmm. the social justice warriors. So 
to me, that's what his viewpoint is coming from. And that makes a lot of sense because I know the type of stuff that Prince has always talked about in terms of his own music and what it means. And and then him reaching back to people like Larry Graham and Shaka Khan and wanting to help. Uh, And we hear about how he's donated money and done different things, you know, weak and cold and all these sort of stuff. Baltimore, the song for Baltimore. So I understand what why he aligns himself with title. I want to read another segment here and we'll go around the room again. Now, this is another interview with Ebony. And this was a controversial interview because it only came it came out December 22nd, uh, 1995. And it was only online for like a day and a half, maybe two days. And then apparently Prince had 2015. 2015, I'm sorry. And Prince had him pull it. Um, but there, and there's a lot of interesting stuff in that interview. We're not going to get all into that. But on another time, we will pull some of the other pieces because they will become relevant. But I think I will say this regarding the entire Prince community. That letter or that interview, if if read now, is a cold piece of work because he's kind of addressing a lot of situations that's popping off right now. But I'm going to leave that alone. Uh, so what I will read, though, is this question. There's another is related to title. It says uh, a lot of initial media reports wanted to count out title. Prince says with the million plus subscribers, Spotify has 10. So if you imagine a million people in front of you, that's a lot of people. So you got to talk to them and you getting ready to drop something and all of them are going to get it. What do you want to say? How are you going to move all of them? Oh, now it gets interesting. It's always going to be the peanut gallery, and that's all right. My thing is this. The catalog has to be protected. And some of our fans were actually disingenuous, taking the time to get their playlist together. And, yeah, it's gone. Now you go. Now you got to actually go subscribe to get the music that you lost on Spotify. Spotify wasn't paying, so you got to shut it down. And Ebony says, I talk to people about switching from Spotify to Tidal who don't want to recreate their playlists all over again. Prince says, that's the line in the sand. That is exactly what I'm talking about. When you make issue of those things, that is exactly what ownership means. It doesn't mean that you just get pimped by somebody and none of our kids should be subject to this. You can't give away Google. You can't give away the country. Nobody can just come up and start selling a Statue of Liberty, stuff like that. So the Prince catalog now, and again, I don't want to sound like a megalomaniac, but I have to manage it. That's Americana now. You gave the Beatles $400 million and then tried to squash the news? I'm, I'm adding a little extra. That's why Apple held out. I had more albums than they did. Now, if somebody could school me exactly on what he's talking about when he says, you gave the Beatles $400 million and then tried to squash the news. Was that like a deal between Apple and the Beatles? Thing? Yes. Okay. Yes. Apple came along and wanted to get you know the Beatles catalog on their iTunes platform, and the people at Apple Records said no. You know, same thing Prince said, no. And then you know behind the scenes, Apple's like, look, we got money. Beatles like, we're listening, mm. and they got to the number that they got to. But a lot of uh, you take the Beatles out of this equation, <clears throat> most people. Who have been approached by you know iTunes, Spotify, whatever fuck, have just been taking those crumbs 
and the Beatles people said, we're not doing that. Right. And then subsequent, uh, what is her name? Oh, God, my girl. Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. You know, she okay. said that same thing. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That's my girl. That's my, that's my, that's <laughs> my <laughs> bae. Oh, whoa, okay. <laughs> <laughs> whoa. Um, she did the same thing. You know, she went to the Spotify and everybody else said, you know what? Take my shit down. I ain't with it. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, the artist needs to realize, and sometimes they forget, in addition to being incredibly talented and incredibly creative, they hold the power here. Not Spotify, not Apple, not Pandora. The artist does. And so when the Beatles made that move, they're like, cool. And so Prince, who's got an enormous catalog, you know, did the same thing. He's all like, oh, take it all off. I'm going to go with Jay-Z. And that's that. But, 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 you want to you deal with me? This is business. This is not about, you know, you like my music. Thank you. I'm glad you like my music. I'm very flattered. Thank you very much. But this is business. This is a commerce deal. That's why his stuff isn't in or wasn't in Guitar Hero. You know, and that's why it's not on YouTube and all that. This is, bottom line, to the end of the day, this is his business. This is any musician's business. And all the accolades and all the adulation is fine. But at the end of the day, Warner's initially was making the bulk of the money, which is bullshit because Warner's didn't do anything. Back in the day, the labels would do all the promoting and all of that. Uh, you know, they pay for the recording costs. Prince had his own studio. So why, why is he paying Warner's to produce anything? He'd walk into Paisley, do his thing. Here's a tape. See you later. And by the way, I need that master recording back. What do you mean, no? We have a problem. Right. Well, I, I will say, you know, he, he knowingly signed a deal, whether that deal is fair or not. But, you know, so he has to abide by what he put his name to. But right, I understand. Well, and he that. did. Yeah, and he did. Right. Um, and he did. And that was and that was part of that was that he said, well, this is what I'd like to do. And they said no. And he said, cool, I'm not going to write you any more music. I have already written these ones. You already own these ones. So I'm just going to release these. And then he basically split up all of the songs that we know that are uh, The Gold Experience and Come and those albums. Those albums were written years before, uh, and and uh, Warner Brothers owned the masters to those. So he's like, I'm not writing you guys any new music. You guys can just use these tracks, and we'll piece, we'll piece it together into cool albums that way. But you know that was basically how that went, because no. Um, but basically, if you have the audience, you have – you have the power. I mean, that's basically, um, you know, what my man was saying just a second ago. Uh, Taylor Swift can say, I don't want to have my music on here unless you pay me the right thing, because if you don't, then I'm just going to go somewhere else. Um, when Prince actually initially got away from it, there was a time when he had released uh, Crystal Ball. And there was a lot of people who were just like, well, see, you're not even selling anything. You only sold like 100,000 of a hundred thousand copies of that and he's like yeah but look i'm selling them for fifty dollars a copy so you do the math that's five million dollars so i did everything all i have to do is pay for the printing of the cds and i get to keep the rest of it right you know so you know it's like whatever kind of deal anybody else could give him he was doing you know he might not have been selling as much he might not have been making as much money but that that was his money right at some point and i'm going to borrow from uh Paul Stanley from Kiss in his in his autobiography, he's at a table, you know, with his manager people and lawyers and whatnot, and they're telling him, Paul, you're going to 
make you know X dollars on this next deal. And Paul's like, great. But the question Paul should have asked, and he knows this now, was, okay, I'm making X. How much are you guys making? Mm-hmm. And a lot of artists didn't know to ask that question until very recently. And I'm sure that's what happened to Prince. At you know, some point, when he would turn in these masters and all this with Warners, oh, Prince, so you're going to make you know this. Uh-huh. What are you going to make? Oh, uh, well, that's not important. And then after he signed that $100 million deal, that's when things went south. Because that money was all illusory. But that's another uh, discussion. Well, no, but it's like you said before. I mean, when you're young and like you're young to the game and you don't have it, you don't know. But you're also you're you're okay with those crumbs because you think that that's all you deserve because you're not a big name and you're not huge. But if you are big and you do have a name, then there's no reason to accept those crumbs. Exactly. Right. And I'm going to read this last piece here. as well. So this is the last one. Uh, Ebony says, I like this album better than Hit and Run, Phase 1. No disrespect. Prince says, uh, well, Hit and Run sounds like today. Title is sinking money into it, and they need it. And my heart is always on because I want them to do well. Uh, Beyonce and Jay-Z have taken a lot of abuse. Their family has. A historic amount of abuse between the two of them. And when we win on this, none of us will gloat. He's not the gloating type anyway. He's slick with his. He says to brush the dirt off your soldier, your shoulder. Y'all just need to stop. Just calm down. Everybody calm down. There you go. Uh, when this does well, nobody gloats. We go about our business, but we'll do another one. And this is a way for Josh to step up because he's not going to stay under here, around here forever. So I got to work with him while I can and you remember, Teddy Riley was under somebody before. Pharrell was under somebody before. Jimmy and Terry were under me. So uh, I, I want to speak about, we talk about these streaming services, and, and we're talking about Prince's legacy and, and where his music is and isn't. It's obvious from his own words that he had something uh, established with title, obviously. Uh, Prince and his own actions you know, as we talked about earlier, took his music from every other service and put it on here specifically and then say, here's my new shit. And then he was even giving them like different singles and live stuff. And as you read from his own words, he wants it to do well. He wants to be a part of it. He believes in the vision, blah, blah, blah. So one of the questions I ask, too, is now we understand what Prince wanted to do. And we understand his history and how he's champions for ownership of his masters and and all that kind of stuff. So to me, you know, this is the the point I want to make is that when you have a service like Tidal, specifically Tidal, uh, I always question. Why is he why does he get dragged so much? Because there's there's a ton of bigger services, right? Uh, there's a ton of different services, um, but we don't know the face of those other services for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the only service that I am aware of where if we go back and you look up that day where they, they launched it. They lined up all the artists, right? There was people's faces. You could there was Madonna was up there. Beyonce was up there. Kanye, um, Jay-Z, of course, Rihanna, Nicki Minaj, um, 
some of the others, I can't remember off the top of my head. They all were lined up there. Like, well, this is our shit. <laughs> right? It was the artists pushing forward an agenda and not the corporations or it was not a tech company. And at the centerpiece of it, it was a black, it was a black rapper, Jay-Z. That's the real face of it, right? So I'm trying to understand, like, why is it being dragged so much? Because I've used this. I used to use the service. It was cool. You know, I am a staunch Google Play user user, just because I've been using it for so many years and it's easy for me. But it was no less or better than Tidal. Tidal actually has exclusives that Google Play doesn't. And they have a hi-fi option, too, which obviously Google or Tidal or uh, Spotify and them, I believe, don't have iTunes. So I'm trying to understand why is it gets shitted on so much and the ultimate cosign that it has that matters to me was that Prince was a part of it like he took his shit and put it on there he took the things that mean more to him than pretty anything so I trust y'all with this now of course you know since he has died things have changed oh yeah for a big part but I'm saying all this in light of Jay-Z's recent comments and about title and I want to ask you guys like I, to me I, I know why it gets the, the flack that it gets but I think that that's it's wrong like unless that's an inferior service which I haven't seen signs that it is why is it getting shitted on if it's something that is artist driven wouldn't that be what you're supposed to champion as opposed you are answering to answering your own question. Yeah, as opposed to Apple, which I have nothing against Apple, but I mean that's a huge corporation. They, you don't even know who to face it. I mean, Steve Jobs is not there. Was it Tim Cook or whoever? Okay. Yep. Uh, or, and then Spotify. I have no idea who these people are. There, you know, why? Why would I even fight for them? I, not to have anything against them for the most part, but all I hear about is artists complaining that they ain't getting paid. So I'd be like, mm-hmm. I ain't got nothing. To, I don't want nothing to do with it. So I'm done you know, rambling. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I, I don't want to go off on another tangent, but it kind of reminds me of what's happening to LeVar Ball. You know, he he built up this brand, his son, the Big Baller brand, and he went to Nike, Adidas, and uh, Reebok. They didn't they they didn't want to buy into his brand, so he started his own, and you know, people were crapping on him for it. And it's like the same thing. Now, my question would be is like if it was. Um, Mike Trout's father out there Would it be the same amount of heat towards him? Probably not And it's the same thing here with Title. Now my reasons why I don't subscribe to Title is It's 2017 and Negro I don't pay for music I'm just going to keep it with thousand. I definitely don't pay for a monthly subscription to music Because music isn't that big of a part of my life That I'm like yes I need to spend money For a music streaming service But you know the fact that people Jay Z would say find you, it. Jay Z would say to you, "But you buy water." No, I'm just go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <so. laughs> that's different. That, that's totally different. That's different. I need that for sustenance. Okay. But I mean, the fact that they were trying to find every problem with it, it just tells me that they have a problem with the artists trying to change the game, trying to upset how the system goes for them, how like you're getting rid of the middleman. 
You don't now in this day and age when you don't need a distribution label to get your music out there, you can pick up a video camera or you can pick up a microphone, podcast or video streaming or put up a video on YouTube. This is just further taking away the control from the old system to the way it is now. People said at the beginning of the 2000s that if the record labels do not change um, do not see the trees from the, I mean, the forest from the trees and see how the industry is changing, how they don't need you. You're going to be left behind. So any disruption of the system that benefits them is going to be met with resistance. And you see it's happening. And, and you know, the thing I think even goes deeper, deeper than that, because it ain't about the record companies no more. Right? They don't have the power. Right. The power is in Apple's. The power is in, in, in Google's, YouTube, record companies. Ain't got, they, they already lost. Let's be clear. They, they, their game has already been snatched by YouTube. Their game has already been snatched by Apple. So they're almost irrelevant to me in some sense in this conversation because they're fighting to be a part of this as well, and they already lost. So that's why Apple or even Tidal, they just going direct to the artists, right? They're not dealing with no record company. They're saying, uh, Drake, we want you to put your stuff over here exclusive. You know, the label is scared that Drake will just leave and go sign to Apple direct. They don't have the pocketbook that Apple does. Let's be clear. There ain't no mm-hmm. way they're going to pay him what Apple can write a check and just laugh at that check and give it to him. The same with, with Kanye West or in situations. Jay-Z's like, yo, man, put that album out over here. Buck those other people. Well, how much you going to? Okay, I'm down with you. Cut me a check. Cool. Let's do it. So... In a sense, it's to me more about the disruption in the status quo, period. Then the new status quo are these tech companies. The new status quo is most people, you either got an Apple phone or you got a Google phone, right? Yeah. Probably yeah. more. More of us got that than we got anything else. <laughs> we all got smartphones. So that's the status quo. The problem is they know that and they want to control everything that you got access to. So when you got a company like a title or something, obviously they don't have a phone, but they can disrupt that whole ecosystem by saying, hey, we actually have the content that they want, but we make the content. And I think somebody spoke to this earlier. The, the artists actually control. They actually have what they need. If all the artists put, took their shit off of iTunes, iTunes would be done. They can't sell you something they don't make, and they have yet to produce an album. Mm-hmm. So I think it's more about just the, the, the new status quo is artists versus gatekeepers. And the artists, in this sense, I think it's in a conceited effort for the gatekeepers to, to make sure that the media makes title look bad, in my opinion, because it ain't in their best interest for that to be successful. They are openly competing with that. Just like you just saw Jay's, uh, Kanye West say he's not going to be on title no more. Now, I think more of that is ego-driven to some degree. Cause, <laughs> but it's a powerful move because it's, he's, you know, remember he did come out on his concert was that a couple months ago where he was ranting and talking crazy. He was, you know, uh, why can't we have a, you know Apple and title y'all come together and all that? You, you got to really think, oh, what the hell are you talking about, man? Like, mm-hmm. They don't really care about it. Well, Michael Jackson said they don't care about us. <laughs> they don't really care. To them, this, <laughs> this is just something they can get more people to buy phones. They could give a damn about this music. They don't really care about their content, really. 
They just want to own it. So I, to me, it's... I think, I know, think ahead, that the... No, I'm sorry. I, I I thought you were done. I'm sorry. Um, I think that the phone analogy is actually pretty good because I used to work for Nokia, and I remember way back in the day that uh, companies started coming out with these things called these new things called smartphones. And I remember that we'd be like, Nokia should come out with something like that, and they were like, No, that's not what people want. That's not what they're going. And they like actively were resistant to releasing smartphones. Um, I don't know. For to me though, I. I think that it, it. I think this whole thing is on a. On, it's on a deeper level, and I think it's the same thing that that Prince was talking about. And it's that you know we need a uh, title to succeed, and who is we? It's black people. Uh, you know, I think the same reason that title gets flack. And people are always questioning what it can do. I think it's the same reason why we had to see Obama's birth certificate. And I think it's the same reason why uh, Obama had to, you know, prove that he had gone to college. You know, it's like we take we I'm not necessarily putting Jay-Z and Obama on the same level, but but I mean, it's it's. It's there. It's like, you know, Obama was the president, but Jay-Z is, you know, the president of this company and he's in a in you know, uh, a place that is usually held by powerful, which, uh, rich white men. Uh, and to see this person who's taking control of their own destiny, uh, there's, there's tons of propaganda out there that is skewed to make you think that title is not as good, even though it's just as good, if not better than other services. Yeah. And, and again, it's not about, jay-z per se really and i think is what you said it's about it's a different person taking control of his destiny than what is usually seen and you know i would would it be any how would it have been if bono was the head of if bono was the head of title or something Jeez. would they be clowning it like no, no they certainly wouldn't be um and i think that that's part mm. of it i think i think part of it is because it is Jay-Z as well because there's a certain idea of what a rapper is Mm -hmm. and because he does a certain type of music then he has to carry like the mantle of what it is to to be an artist in hip-hop and 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 sadly a lot of those uh stereotypes are negative when it comes to that Maybe we should get Art. the guy that's the head of who's the dude that was in, the lead singer of uh, Hootie and the Blowfish. Darius Mike. <laughs> <laughs> See, Mike Damn, Mike. Maybe they should get him and put him in charge. He's a good brother. I'm, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm joking. Go ahead, Q. <laughs> I just want to say that as a title subscriber, since uh, what was it last year that that came out just, to the public? He just shamed us. But go ahead. And. Um, also, being uh, an Apple user and formerly being a huge iTunes user, I can take I can say unequivocally that Tidal blows iTunes away. Far more easy to use, far more convenient, and far more user friendly. So, if people are clowning Tidal, I have I mean I know why, but I really don't know why because it blows any of those other um, music uh, music. Uh, apps away. I'm keeping one thousand. I love the Zoom person. <laughs> it's a Zoom. Hilarious. <laughs> that Zoom. that system was bomb to me. But, that hey, was. Microsoft. Well, 
it's it's funny because as you guys just mentioned, Jay Z, you know, is a rapper, and people, the the status, the establishment. Well, Jay's not one of us, and it's funny because had it been someone like Harry Connick sings unthreatening music, you know, has that polished image, and I don't even like fucking Harry Connick. Fuck him. But that would have been more palatable. Yeah, what's wrong with Harry Connick? I don't like Harry Connick. It was an, I mean, uh, Independence Day. Come on, man. He's a passport. I don't like it. I don't like him. There it is. <laughs> um, but when you, and when you look at this in all fields, you know, anytime someone who is perceived as a quote-unquote outsider or out of the box, they're going to get resistance. And it's funny because when I walk into a courtroom, you know, on, on Fridays when we do TRCs, I'm looking around. I don't see me. You know, not that I, not that I say I, I see black people, but I don't see me. When I got my uh, thing with the NFL, I looked around the room, big room. I don't see me. Mm-hmm. Now, it's funny because when people approach me all the time, it's generally younger people who approach me. You know, I was in the elevator the other day. Guy walked up to me and said, you look like a judge. Are you a judge? I said, no, man, I'm not a judge. Oh, man, well, you should be a judge. Well, thank you. But it's anytime someone is to be in the system, quote-unquote, but not a not a traditional member of the system, it works both ways. You know, sometimes you get heightened scrutiny, but it also allows you to have access to a wider range of people who are going to be more open to what you're about. And that's a good thing for Jay-Z. Yeah, you know, uh, I think title, what I think its strengths, uh, you know, to me its strength is, yeah, it has, it has you know, the, the app is good and the service is good, but I think its strength is that uh, it has those exclusives. Like its strength is that it, you know, it maybe it was only for a day or a week, but it has like Beyonce, and when she drops her new shit, it's on that. Like, you know, that's its strength. You know, his strength is that Jay-Z, it has, he, he's a part of it. So if he drops something new, his stuff is going to be there first. Or, or he has ties to these artists who are, you know, on the top of their game. And they own the content where they can say, it's going to be over there first. And I think that is the most powerful thing from an artistic perspective, an artist perspective, that we control what we make, and specifically if what we make is of high caliber, then we help, we really hold the chips. Because like I said earlier, at the end of the day, none of these companies, until they start to do this, they don't make the music or they don't make the movies. Well, you can, well, and that's, can't really say that anymore because now these companies have gotten into the movie game as a TV game, but they have yet to get into the music game. You know what I'm saying? So, until they start handing out, and maybe they will say, "Hey, Drake or whoever, here's fifty million dollars. Go ahead and make an album. You know, you keep the fifty and let us have this." But the artists still make the music, and before they re-sign or do something crazy, I think they gotta remember that so that titles or there may be another platform later. They have to maintain ownership, and I think that's one of the great legacies that Prince left behind was his battles in the 90s to get free and to change up his situation 
And as you can see now, that was way ahead of the curve. But now everybody, yeah. now it makes sense to everybody because look how the industry is now, right? You, yeah, you ha- yeah, you got to do like Prince and them did. So that's why that's why I think title is great. And I'm saying this, I'm not a subscriber again, but I will be. But I, but I don't. But I'm not gonna shit on it. Like even if I didn't like Jay Z as a rapper, I would still be like. Yo, this dude is doing some important work right here. He's he's setting a precedent. He's showing cats what you can be capable of doing. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I'm like, and now as a fan, you don't have to care about that, to be honest. But if you're more <laughs> than a fan and you understand even hor- historically, like what it would mean for black artists, any artist really, to own their stuff, this is important. You know, it's it's important that at least they're at the table. They're not going to be bigger than Apple and got that kind of money. Let's keep it 100. But mm-hmm. that doesn't really matter. Everything scales. They got 3 million people, subscribers. Cool. Well, that, well if you're a new artist, yo, we can guarantee you we're going to get you in front of this many people and you can sell your stuff and you can own it and do what you want. You don't have to wait for Spotify to send you that, you know, oh, you got a million streams. They're going to send you a $30 check. Because they're eating off that. They don't, you know, they don't care, man. You don't even know who to go to go holler at about that. And ain't nobody in the media for us to hold accountable because we don't, we don't know nothing about it. It's just the name that we just accept it. What, that's why I always... Why, why are you so accepting of, of Spotify? What have they done that gave, gives you the trust? Like, I don't understand. What, what, you don't even know nothing about that stuff. It's just the app that just became popular. But what because they, it's free. Yeah, what that's have why. they done, though? They haven't done nothing. <laughs> you mentioned Apple back in the day. It's funny because I'm, you know, I'm a few years older than you, but I remember back, back in 1983 when Steve Wozniak put on this giant three-day uh, music festival called the Us Festival down in Southern California, and Apple was really starting to break big as a consumer you know, computer, mm. and people like IBM and all that were just all over him. Oh, well, he's irresponsible. He's this, he's that. And again, he got all that vitriol because he was the face. He was doing something new. He stepped out of the box and did this giant music festival. And that's not what you do when you're you know, a tech guy or a corporate guy. You don't do that. Well, he went ahead and did it. Fuck you. And so that's the same thing happening now. Jay-Z's all, you know, let me do this thing my way. I got a good business model. Let's make it run. And it's artist-driven, so the artist, you know, gets their fair share finally. And the people at Spotify and Pandora and the other ones who we don't know, who we don't see, are like, well, they can't do that. Yeah, they can. It's like Mike said, when you control the content, you control the deal. And now that artists are starting to realize that, things are starting to change. I will point out, though, that uh, like iTunes, for instance, has a thing called uh, Apple iTunes Sessions, where they bring in the, they bring the artists into a studio and they basically like you know record uh, like usually just live versions of mm-hmm. the songs that are already popular, but like that already shows you that they have the capability of doing that sort of thing of offering somebody. Uh, a record deal and giving them studio time and all that stuff. So I think honestly, it's it's only a matter of time before 
um, that actually starts becoming a thing. Oh, you're right. And, you know, the thing about Apple particularly, they have so much money. So, you know, then they're very smart. They can say, listen, let's go buy this legitimacy. So that's why, to me, they get Jimmy over here and get Dre. <laughs> like mm-hmm. they ran the music game. I mean, they was running the game. So let's just go bring them over. You cutting them what a three million dollar check, a three billion dollar check, buy beats and all that. You know, but we want, we really want Dre and, and Jimmy over here. And so yeah, I, I'm not mad at that because they eating great and they mm-hmm. can take their expertise and they set up shop. It legitimizes Apple. And now you have Jimmy over here. You got Dre. I, I believe Dre, Dre, Dre has some kind of radio show. They set up a whole thing over there. Uh, oh, yeah. And, and stuff. So, and that, that's what I'm saying. But that's what these big companies, they have unlimited money. So they can go buy whatever they want, you know, if they want to play that power move. Uh, and that's, and, but that's, that's the other question where artists has to ask, well, do we want to do our own thing? Or do we want to just take a fat payday and go set up over shop over here? Now, the kind of payday drain them got, <laughs> again, I'm not mad at that. It's a lot of money. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Now, could they have done their own things? Quite possible. But it would have been a lot of work. And so I'm not mad if somebody decides they don't want to. But at least I would imagine they looked at both sides of the coin and said, yo, what's going to be the best situation for us? Let's go do that. I'm not mad at that either. And I wouldn't be surprised at some point... And maybe they do this on the low. We don't know that. They hitting up Jay and like, yo, man, we'll buy the whole shit out. Buy your shit out. How much you need? So we just make all that shit Apple or make it Google or whatever. You know, you, mm-hmm. you need $5 billion? They could. He could do a George Lucas, right? He'd be like, right. He'd be like, hey, man, I'm done. <laughs> you know, let me get that generational wealth check. Now, you know, they're going to make quadruple that. But at least, hey, you're not going to be alive then, so. I'm not mad at that either, but at least as an artist, you made the decision to take a top dollar pay up front, and you you, you can sit back. So, um, with that, oh, you your gotta, closing thoughts. Go ahead. Give your closing. I was gonna thoughts. say you got, and you also gonna remember with the that Dre Jimmy IV thing that you uh, was talking about is, um, I think not long after they started that Beats Music, that's when Apple came knocking. They're like, nah, mm-hmm. we don't want this new competition. Well, right. That's what I'm saying. You can bring yeah. so you bring in all the Jimmy and, and Dre to the table now. So yeah, you can just let them do what they do before, but just be under us. And of course, they're gonna whatever they do is people gonna pay attention. To, you know, and they control that content. Right? That's that's our shit now. And then it well, yeah. And then it kind of then factors into I mean, basically artistic integrity. Then at that point, right? It's like, do you have the artistic integrity to just say no and keep it yours and do what you want to do with it? Or are you okay with somebody else owning your stuff? That's the that's the Prince question because I think Prince was like, you know what, I'm gonna take the uh, artistic integrity, and he's gonna get, and he knows I'm going to be chastised in the media because I'm not selling three million records anymore, but I'm selling this hundred thousand and making what I would have made on that three million because I'm taking more of the money. And that's where oh, the, yeah. the smart guy, kind of what Dre is talking about in his new album, I'm getting paid more because I own and take some chances as opposed to it being all over the place and I'm broke. One of my favorite Prince quotes was, I may not be number one on the charts, but I'm number one at my bank. bank. There you go. There you go. <laughs> all right. I know there's going to be some comments on this one. 
but I invite it all. Please come on in and drop it in. Let us know what you think. Some of you, y'all playing a race card, Mike. I don't want to listen to that. Hey, I, I can respect that, but this is what we do. Um, so definitely let us know what you think about this whole thing. I'm curious. Are you a title subscriber or do you just even believe in the vision of it? Um, or you don't. Not mad either way. Just curious. Before we get out of here, we're going to go around the room and let you know where you can find everybody online. Starting with Q-Storm. Where can they find you, sir? You can find me on YouTube at Real, R-E-E-L, Q-Storm. You can also find me on iTunes and on PodcastJuice.net as the, um, the lead host of The Red Shirts, a Star Trek podcast. All right. Uh, and Pooh. Find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Ampu. That's all I got working right now. All right. Uh, Princess Friend, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me at youtube.com slash princess friend. Um, or I also have a Patreon running, and you can find me at patreon.com slash princess friend. All right. All right. Mr. Big Sexy and Sack. Well, let's see. You can find me on Twitter under WSE Marcus, Facebook. Under Mark Wiggins, and unfortunately, I will not be in San Francisco Tuesday for the Revolution Show. I am in a trial, and I just can't break away. Damn. All right, and uh, definitely can find us at PrincePodcast.com, also PodcastJuice.net, on Twitter at PodcastJuice. If you want to hit me up personally on Twitter, is at M Dean. Um, People have been telling me this. They're hard to find. Email me. You can email me at michael at podcastjuice.net. And also check out our Patreon page. Thank you so much to all of our Patreon people. It is uh, patreon.com slash podcastjuice. And also shout out to our uh, people who have been just doing the donations. Uh, Definitely. I'm going to get your names for the next episode. But thank you so much for those as well. That is super appreciated. Hey, with that, work it like a job. We'll see you next time, people. Thank you.